Welcome to Transcendent Tracks, a podcast that connects you with stories about music's powerful ability to impact our lives. I'm Daniel, your host and lifelong music lover. I talk with musicians, music scholars, music writers, and especially music fans to explore the tracks that have inspired and influenced them most. Country singer-songwriter Summer Dean has big visions for her career and an album called The Biggest Life about to come out. With a manifestation board in her office and prayers in her heart, she envisions many successes, the pinnacle of which may be her induction into the Grand Ole Opry one day. This may sound like a lofty goal, but despite being relatively fresh at the professional music business, she has already made great strides through pure hard work and perseverance. Specifically, Summer has been named 2023 Honky Tonk Female of the Year at the Ameripolitan Music Awards, their Outlaw Female of the Year in 2019, and She's been listed among the five female artists creating the future of country music by the Recording Academy. Not bad for someone who left her job teaching school just a few years ago and is about to release only her second full-length album. The album The Biggest Life is out on June 16th, and she's on tour all summer. Full disclosure here, this interview was particularly enjoyable for me because Summer and I went to the same high school. She was a couple of years behind me, so the only class we had together was, appropriately, band class. And here's what she had to say. Hey, Summer, thanks so much for coming to talk with me today. Really excited to talk about what you've got going on. I know you've got a new album coming out. You have a single that just came out and one that came out recently. So congratulations on that, first of all. Thank you. It's exciting time. It's a, uh, it's funny, you know, we spend years on these albums. By the time they're out, uh, we're almost sick of them. <laughs> like, but, but, you know, it's good. It's exciting. So tell me from that point, let's back up a little bit and tell me about your start in this, right? Because you took a bit of a leap and went from, you know, teaching school, right? Yeah. And to now, yeah. okay, I'm out with my second album in what I would say is a pretty short period of time. So you've done well, in other words, but go back a bit and tell me that story if you don't mind. Yeah. Well, you know, I was teaching school because I thought that's what a mom and a wife should do. Um you were raised like I was, and uh, it just seemed like the right thing to do. <laughs> My mama was a teacher, so it's like, okay, well, I'll go be a teacher. You can do that in any town, and, and you have the same schedule as your babies, so that's what I did. Didn't think anything about it. I, I played music in college, and I always kind of did it on the side a little bit, and, but I never took it seriously. I didn't think I was good enough, thought I wasn't pretty enough, or whatever, you know, just wearing ourselves down with stupid things. I always had friends that were in the music scene. Like I was never all the way just like out of it. I was kind of involved that just didn't perform. And so um, I had a friend that asked me to sing harmonies for his cover band. And yeah, sure, I'll get up there and sing harmonies. That's nothing. And then I just got tired of singing covers. Um, and then that group wasn't writing. So I just, I wrote songs because I wanted to. And I was teaching this whole time. And then to start getting gigs, I just emailed people enough dumb questions until they said yes. You know, I just pleasantly persistent. Just uh, the worst is going to happen is nothing, I told myself. So I just kept emailing until they said yes. And, um, and it just moved into getting more gigs and more gigs and meeting more people and writing more songs till finally I got to where I couldn't do both jobs. And I uh, was 39 and thought, like the cliche thing goes, I don't want to, I don't want to die wondering if I want to try. I can always go back to teaching. I can always go find a job. It'll be fine. So I just did it. And uh, 
yeah, it's been great. But I think what has made me go faster a little bit, what there's a lot of things I don't have. Um, age an age 43 singer songwriter should have. I don't have them because I'm only a five year person full time in the business. But I, but I think one thing that's kind of gotten me some things quicker is just having a business mind about it versus an artistic mind. I don't have the goal to be a local artist. I have the goal to go out and work. My goal was to be full time from the beginning. And so I just, I didn't allow for smallness, you know, if it didn't do my career well, I didn't take the gig. I only took yeah. gigs that, you know, that's why I did teaching for so long. Like I didn't have to take every hundred dollar gig, you know, so that and having a bunch of friends in the industry that helps. But, um, it was scary and I have credit card debt, but it's going to be okay. <laughs> Everybody leverages on a business somewhere, you know, but you got to think of it as a business for sure. You got to talk to people. You got to network. You got to be someone that's easy to work with. You got to play to the crowd. No, you have to know that, yes, this is art, but the number one thing that matters on being successful is can you turn over the dollar? Like, are you an artist that can make somebody money? And if you're that artist, then you're going to be successful, you know, but you just got to figure out how to do that in, in your own way. So that you're not selling yourself out or anything. Exactly. Uh, and I'm wondering, related to that, I mean, you said that you were doing a little singing on the side and you felt you want to be a little more creative and start writing your own songs so that you that you could sing something that you had written on your own. Mm -hmm. But was there a person, a, a someone or a something that really influenced you to want to take that path? Or was it just something that just sort of evolved? Yeah, a little bit of everything. You know, I had a friend when I started that allowed me to ask him every dumb question. I remember when I started teaching, I had to ask my mom who's a teacher. I had to ask her, where do you get worksheets? Like, I, I, you know, I don't know the basic things. And I have a music friend in my life that I was able to ask the most basic of questions. You need to know these things. These are the ABCs, you know? And he was the reason I learned things really fast. He was never condescending. He was never, he took the time to talk to me. He took time to help me make my first record. And you know, let me mess up and cry. And the first time I ever did vocals and a microphone and hearing myself, nobody likes to hear themselves, you know? And uh, he just, he made me really confident and taught me a lot. So he gave me, his name is Will Dupuy and he gave me a lot of um, encouragement, but just, he gave me the uh, freedom to start um, and a, a partner to start with instead of just trying to raise some money and figuring it out on my own. He helped me. I mean, I raised the money, but he helped me um, just. Right. Almost like a, a little bit of a mentor, I guess, yeah, to, yeah. to get going. Yeah. That's yeah. a very fortunate thing to have. For it sure. really is. I hope yeah. that one day I'm in a position where I can pay it forward. I try, but, you know. I bet you'll get there one day. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Who would you say are the musicians or the artists that had the most influence on you? Yeah. You have different ones for different reasons, mm -hmm. you know. Um but I remember a specific time in, in college playing at Joe's Crab Shack every Tuesday um, and like having to stop because somebody's table was ready, you know, like yeah. that kind of gig. I remember my friend Ben, he's from Henrietta and he was uh, a musician and he's like, you need to come hear these two 
CDs because it was what 1999 or 2000 or something. He goes, you need to come hear these CDs. And so we went to his car and we listened and I heard Lucinda Williams for the first time. And I heard this girl from Australia, Casey Chambers for the first time. And, you know, growing up, it was hard to find other artists. All we could listen to growing up was what was on the radio. Yes. You know, I didn't sing like them and I didn't look like them which was part of my lack of confidence of being able to really do it and, and try hard to be a singer. But then when I heard Lucinda's voice and how different it was, and, and then they're writing and I was like, oh, you don't have to do whatever we were doing in the Jack County pageant. You don't have right. to sing like that. You can sing like you. You can make your own sound and, and, uh, and find your own sound. And that's kind of, I had a lot. Uh, that was an epiphany moment for me, realizing that being being unique can actually work for you, or not sounding like every other girl can actually work for you. And uh, I felt I felt a lot of encouragement hearing Lucinda's voice and uh, the way she writes. And then right. I got into this whole Americana thing, uh, which which what was important, you know, you can't break the rules until you know the rules. So you have to study a lot of music if you want to be a writer especially mm -hmm. so uh but yeah that that moment of hearing those two women singers was like oh you can do this and not be like pretty quote marks with my fingers you know <laughs> yeah. yeah so that was cool you describe your music yourself as being solidly in the honky-tonk category is that a true statement i'd say my last album was your last album. romantic Bad romantic was and but this next album is not it's going to be mean, very different okay yeah the next album is really songwriter based so on bad romantic that was my first full-length album so i felt like i had a lot to prove um i didn't realize that's what i was doing but looking back on it i felt like i had a lot to prove like i'm i know honky tonk so look what i can write and look what yeah. i can play and look what i can put out and uh, and i i had that mentality in a good way in an in an honorable way to the, to the sound and to the vibe and um it served me well because i um i love that music and um listen to it daily but um i've started but this next album i i don't it's definitely country i can't help that but um it's more of a songwriter album the the goal for this album, when we were making decisions, making it was always um, serving the song. We never used a computer. We never fixed anything. We didn't like make any sounds or any vibes digitally. Everything's hundred percent natural, all the way to your ear. And um, and so it was all about the song and the lyrics and the story. So the next album is a songwriter's album. To me, it's not honky tonk, but I also am really selective about that word <laughs> you know but no the next one to me is just a good old uh songwriter record it's yeah. kind of sad but okay. there's some uplifting moments too but sure you know i wrote these songs through the last couple of years which were hard on all of us i feel like i've i don't want to use the grown up but i've definitely turned not just a pivot but i've turned a major corner since bad romantic mm -hmm. to the next one the biggest life now I just feel like I want my music to be really well written and really, really well thought out and communicated. And the rest of what it is and what it isn't has to be up to the listener. And I don't have anything to prove about it any anymore. I just turned 43 in February. 
And I felt that hugely on my birthday, like to the point I was, I call my parents and I was crying because I was like, I just feel this huge shift from gimme, gimme, gimme to just settling and creating. And, uh, it felt, it felt really cool. And I think you hear it on the album. It's, uh, it's really grown up. The songs are about, I write from a woman's perspective a lot because I am one. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's not the kind of like, I'm going to key your truck because you cheated on me. You know, it's not that kind of like, I'm going to barrel down the door because I'm a strong, independent country woman, which was my first album. You know, when there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) But that's not where I landed. I'm not mad. (laughs) You know, I'm not mad at anybody. I just write songs about being a woman. And uh, um, so that that shift comes out in this next record. Um, Don't get me wrong. I still love honky-tonk music. And uh, but. That's not what came out of me the last couple of years writing this one. Right. So we'll see what comes out next. I don't know. Yet. Well, exactly. I mean, that's the thing is I heard, I, f- I forget who it was, was years ago. I think it was somebody in the rock world and they were being criticized because they'd written something different than the hard rock song. And they're like, well, we can't have other emotions than just anger or yelling. And why? Yeah. You, right. I mean, like you can, you can mm-hmm. be and think and experience and create something different and and that can be that can be okay, yeah and all at the know? same time <laughs> that's true yeah right right on the same album yeah um, yeah sure songwriters humans yeah. yeah correct me if i'm wrong but you write all of your music which is great because songwriting is such a talent and such a gift and a skill that not that many people can do really well mm-hmm. so do you have a process that you go through or is it are you one of these writers where it just sort of falls out of your brain in the middle of the night or do you have more of a formal process when you're writing yeah i i I do um um i think the hardest part of writing um you know it's 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 a muscle it's a skill and so the more you do it the better you get and um the i think the hardest thing about writing songs is actually sitting down and writing a song and uh almost two years ago my friend um, invited me into this writing accountability group, and it changed my life. So um, basically, every Thursday we get an email, and it has a word in it. And uh, and every Wednesday, so you have a week, every Wednesday about midnight, you have to turn in a song. And if you don't, you're out of the group. Now, the song doesn't have to be good, you know, but you have to use your muscle and work out a song that week and write and write one. And um, you don't have to use the word. It's just there in case you've got some kind of block and you need something to think about to help you find a song, you know. <laughs> but um, if you're doing it every single week, no matter if you're on the road, no matter if you're on a trip with your girlfriends in Mexico or your dog died or whatever, you have to find time and sit down and write a song. And when you do that every week, you're going to get good. So I've done it for almost two years now and you write a song every week. And there's several of us in the group that have been there two years and more. And I, on that next album, we recorded 14 songs, 13 of them made the album. And all of them were from writing every one from ones that I turned in writing the group every, every time. And so it absolutely has changed my life. And there's, Wednesdays at 9.30 p.m. And I'm like, okay, I have to write a song by midnight. And I have no ideas. And I, had I not been in this group, I would have just gone to bed. I wouldn't thought at all I have to write a song. And now I don't want to get out of the group and make myself write 
something, you know, even if it's a terrible Christmas song, which I've written about six now because they're easy to write and I just don't have any ideas, you know. That's for a later album when you have Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, one day. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if somebody's listening that's trying to get out of a rut or, or, you know, giving yourselves deadline and accountability, anybody can start one of these groups. Do you really enjoy songwriting as much or more than performing or the rest of it? Or is it just, are they just such different animals that you can't really they're, compare it if you know what Yeah, I'm they're saying. very, very different. Uh, yeah. I like to perform. Mm-hmm. I've done it my whole life. And um, that's really fun. It's a bit of a pain in the ass uh, with the band and the traveling and the hotel rooms and the merch. It's, uh, it's, it, it has a huge overhead. Right. Um, it costs a lot of money. Like when we're on the road, it costs me over a thousand dollars a day to be out on the road. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the, the van, the trailer, the gasoline, and it just, oh, it's crazy how much it costs to be a performer, but it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the riding overheads, nothing. Yep. So, so <laughs> it's like, hmm. That's one of my goals for, for 2023 and 2024 was to, uh, try to make some money and uh, writing for other people or you know working on my publishing and licensing and stuff like that mm-hmm. because that's real money that can fuel me to go out on the road with the band right. you know so I like it both but yeah it's different I didn't answer your about how to write like my writing process but that's okay we might we might circle back to it I don't know <laughs> okay it's up to you if you if you want to if you have something no, uh, it's just kind of different. I want to say it's different every time, but one thing is that, that is the same every time is like those Wednesday nights at 930 when I have no ideas. I will just, I kind of envision this like my chest opening up and my conscience being open and I'll go on a walk or I let the universe just completely give me something. Kind of like when you're, if you're praying, you're trying to listen to if God's telling you anything. Mm-hmm. I kind of do that. I kind of just open my mind up and I let something speak to me. Oh, the other day it happened. The word for the week was regret. And I was like, a lot of country songs are written about regret. I don't want to use the obvious regret. And I was thought, well, I, mean, I have this Dolly Parton book. I'm going to look through pictures of her and see if something just sparks an idea. And I saw this thing that said lucky. I was like, oh, okay, lucky. Like, and, all right. So um, I went to my Bible and I looked up verses about regret. And I was like, oh, we're lucky. I'm lucky as a Christian that I don't really have to have regrets. I can, you know, pray about my stuff and, and move along and learn from it and grow as a Christian and know that I'm saved and blah. And so I did. And then I wrote a song. So you have to just kind of let your chest open up and be like, What's around you? So I guess what I'm saying is learning to open yourself up, learning to receive, you know, learning to be aware and receive something that's going on around you. Uh, Helps you write a song, helps you get started, you know. Mm -hmm. I like that answer because I've heard both in talking to people and even like watching and reading other interviews. It's amazing how many times the answer is so similar. How'd I hear somebody put it the other day? It was just that I'm just a vessel and something just comes through me because I'm open to it or I yeah. prayed about it. It's always like something along those lines mm-hmm. that people say. And it's just some little 
inspired thing that happens, which I think is really cool, you know, because there is something to that. Yeah. And then, you know, and then some weeks you got to, you got to get something out. You just got this feeling and bleh, you know, you know, there's writing songs and then there's writing good songs. Then I've learned, um, you got to study your craft. You got to study songs. And like I said, while I go, you can only break the rules if you know them. And I think you can hear that in some people's writing and we don't know it, but I think what makes a good writer or what makes a song good when we're listening to it is they know the rules and the formula and a song can follow it and it's a hit or a song cannot follow it. And it's a hit, but you can almost hear when someone knows they broke the rules with it. And as listeners, we don't know that, but we feel it. Willie Nelson's wonderful at it. No one's going to argue mm-hmm. that about his songwriting. It's, it's one of those opinions that has become a fact, you know? Yeah. And one thing Willie does so well, which a good writer needs to study Willie and learn how he does this, uh, is he takes this one moment that might be three seconds of, of someone's life and he creates a whole song about that tiny moment and he freezes it. And he'll give you a lyric that makes you feel the depth and the gravitas of the moment. And then the next lyric is something light that gives you a visual or physical of the moment. And I think when you're taking a listener in and out of this like one freezing moment, then uh, you're really going to get them. They're going to relate to it somewhere. And so you can't just have an idea and make it rhyme. I think you have to take the listener somewhere and uh and i think that's what qualifies a a real good song versus a song that rhymes right but then you know then there's the science of pop music which is a whole nother kind of writing Mm -hmm. it's still really hard and it's still pretty genius but it's you know writing hooks is different than writing feelings you know right and they're both uh hard and they take a long time to do I know you've opened for Marty Stewart. You've opened for Dale Watson. Some people who, when I saw that, was like, wow, because I think a lot of those guys, and that's probably was a great opportunity. When you did that, in doing that, were you able to talk to them? Did they have advice for you as the more seasoned performers and to talk to somebody starting out like you? I got some stories. I I would love to know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's start with Dale. Dale, you know, he has the Ameripolitan Awards. Um, and I'm a member of the Maripolitan family. And uh, a long time ago, first time I met Dale, he was playing at Jenny's in Austin. And I went with a friend and uh, Dale's drummer, Mike Bernal, went to Tech, uh, where I went. We're all friends. And, you know, so we went. I didn't know Dale. And, uh, of course, I knew who he was, but I didn't know him. And my friend got me up there to sing. And... um and I didn't know Dale. I didn't know how I was going to take this. Some artists are okay with that. Some artists aren't. But Dale invited me up because because my drummer friend was like, yeah, she, she'll be fine. You know, invite her up. And uh, I sang uh, a song, a Bob Will song, I think, or something, and sat down. Dale turned around to her drummer friend was like, who's that? Her name's, her name's Summer. He's like, what does she do? He's like, she's a school teacher. <laughs> and Dale was just like, what? She was great. <laughs> So we became friends after that and uh, go to more Dale shows, get up, sing, be buddies. And then um, 
just made made friends, uh, you know, networked. I networked with him a lot and talked to him a lot, asked him a lot of questions. He was nice about it. And his sweet wife, Celine, was so sweet about it. And, you know, they welcomed me into the Ameripolitan family. And I've won Outlaw of the Year and Honky Tonk Female of the Year. And that's such a wonderful family. And they just champion other people. And Dale and Celine produce that and pay for it out of pocket. Oh, so really? It's, yeah, it's pretty amazing that they do that. And um, so I'm just forever grateful for Dale. And then we have the same, um, it's all business with the same booking agent. Mm-hmm. So that's how you get on shows with these people. It's, it's all, you're on the same label, you're mm-hmm. on the same agent, like it's all business. Um, uh, and Marty, so he was playing at the Kessler in Dallas. And uh, it's been said about me, if Summer wants a gig, before I had a booking agent, if Summer wants a gig, you better give it to her because she'll drive you nuts until you give it to her. And so I drove the Kessler crazy. No, I didn't know Marty was playing. Sorry. I, I knew Leanne Womack was playing. Joe Ely was playing. And so I was driving sweet Diana at the Kessler. I was driving her nuts wanting to open those shows. I bet I emailed her every 48 hours. Can I get, can I get on those shows? Can I get on those shows? Can I get on those shows? And Finally, she was like, okay, okay, Summer, here's the deal. I can't get you on Leanne Womack. I can't get you on Joe Ely, but I can get you on Marty Stewart. I was like, what? You're like, that's even later. I mean, I'm more excited about that. Oh my gosh. And it's like around my birthday. And it's like, Diana, thank you. Thank you for letting me drive you crazy. And thank you for giving me a chance, you know? And um, Showed up, opened for Marty. We did great. I got a standing ovation. It was just so awesome. Aww. And and Marty was really, really nice. And as far as advice, we were visiting and he's um, very, very kind and uh, easy to talk to. And, oh, somebody wore a shirt backstage, somebody in his camp that was an old Marty Stewart shirt and it had a dachshund on it, like riding a motorcycle or something. And Marty was talking about the shirt. He's sitting on the couch. He's talking about the shirt. And he goes, you know, Summer, here's you some advice. It's like, oh, and I'm like perking up all the way listening. And he goes, they told me that dog's name is Professor Snugglebutt or something like that. Professor something. And he said, he said, they put that dog on that shirt. And I thought that was crazy. And he said, Summer, that is still the number one selling shirt I've ever had. He goes, so put your dog on your shirt. (laughs) Oh, goodness. I thought that was so funny. Okay, well, then we got to open for Marty again. And um, he didn't remember us first time from the first time we opened, you know, he didn't remember us, which is fine, uh, you know. And, um, but I told him it was an honor to open for Connie Smith's husband because his wife is my favorite female singer. But I showed up with two pedal steel guitars, just me and two steels. And I wasn't supposed to show up with anybody. Um, um, but I, I just thought, well, I'm not going to ask permission. I'm just going to show up and plug in and see what they do, you know. And uh, I didn't know if Marty would be mad because, you know, we make these contracts and agreements that we will come solo or we will come full band. Like sometimes you don't want more people in the opening band than in the headliner band, you know. Okay. So like if he's a four piece, I can't be more than a four piece on stage. So a lot of times they're like, no, we just want her solo. You know, she needs to be smaller than us. Mm-hmm. I showed up with two steals anyway. And that was probably a bad business move. But anyway, I walked backstage and we were finished and the crowd's still cheering. And I looked at Marty, he was standing there with his mandolin. And I said, uh, two steals. 
Like, what are you going to do? You know, I already did it. What are you going to do? And he said, Summer Dean, you know, the only thing better than two steals is three. <laughs> and I was like, okay, great. And he told me later, he goes, because you did that, he's like, I'm going to remember you now. I was like, good, good. You remember he's Summer Dean with your two steel guitars. So we'll see if he does remember. I don't know. We'll probably open for him again and he'll stick a hand out and be like, nice to meet you. Hello. <laughs> so if you could come up with a short list of favorite albums, what would they be? Yeah. Um, well, Lucinda Williams, um, Car Wheels on, des- on a um, desert road. Car Wheels. Oh, on a gravel, gravel. road. <laughs> yeah, that album. Uh, I love that album. I can't get tired of it. Um, oh, Gillian Welch. And let's see. It's hard and we think of like albums as, as, a, as a whole. I mean, it's going to be the obvious ones that everybody says, you know, Redheaded Stranger. Um, and the, these are the standards for a reason. It's because they're the best. 190 Proof, um, Real Haggard's 190 Proof. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that album. Come on. Um, in this digital age, it's hard to think about albums all the way through. Uh, uh, you have to really think about that because we hardly ever listen to album all the way through. No, Wouldn't that's it? true. Putting aside any sort of a thought of an album, are there any other artists that inspire you as a performer or as a writer or? Yeah. Connie Smith and Johnny Bush, I listen to all the time as far as like traditional goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're a gigantic influence on me. Okay. Uh, Gillian too. Mm-hmm. But gosh, you just take influence from so many places. I was so happy to work with Bruce on this next album because I've taken a lot of influence on his writing. And so, uh, yeah, but you know, it's funny. It's, it's some of the same on writers and performers as it is albums, mm-hmm. Willie. You know, right, of course. Isn't that funny, funny how that works, yep. you know, but there, yeah, there's performing. I mean, t- talk about performing. I studied the heck out of Dolly and one of the best performers that there is her banter, yeah. her mm-hmm. demeanor, how she is a sex symbol, but also completely wholesome at the same time, how she never once gives her opinion, yet she stands for things like it's amazing how she handles her career. And her persona, and w- and when you really study that, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And I take a ton of notes from her about that, about her stage presence and her banter and her publicity, her marketing. And uh, so uh, I know she is an angel, and she will be standing right next to Jesus when I get there. I know it. <laughs> so I, it's hard to like name somebody other than her, but there, there's a reason she's the goat. You know? Yeah, she just blows me away every time i see anything that she's and at her age now the things that she's still doing still the woman is everywhere mm-hmm. doing everything not just yeah. in music yeah crazy uh studying way back deep in, her, deep in her catalog and her old interviews and watching her live shows and she's she's a real she's a real study if i were teaching a class on country music there would be like if you could get a degree in it there would be a whole class on her you know yes It's amazing. Okay. If you could attend any concert, past or present, what would that be? Mm -hmm. Or if you could meet any musician, past or present, who would it be? There's so many categories. I'm like, who would I like to see perform Mm -hmm. versus the music I'd like to hear? You know, Mm -hmm. I was lucky. I got to hear Merle. I got to hear uh, Loretta. I got to hear a lot of uh, people before they died. 
I would love to see like Ray Price in the late 60s. I think mm-hmm. that uh, that's my favorite kind of music. And then uh, if I, this is just, this is just a little Jack County girl in me, but I have this vision and I, and it has turned into a manifestation and I'm in my office right now and like looking up at my manifestation board, like it's right there, uh, that I do get to play on the Opry and which I think is going to happen. I have a good agent, booking agent, and he knows that's my goal. So I, I think that's going to happen, but, uh, one day, um, but. And I hope it's a day when I'm at the Opry that Connie Smith is there. Mm-hmm. And I hope that she <laughs> comes to my dressing room to meet me because I won't be able to handle it if I get to meet her like on stage. I want to, I need a minute. I'll need a minute. You know, I don't want to do it in front of people. Yeah. Uh, and I have a, I have this vision that she calls me out and introduces me for my first time at the Opry, you know, and then, uh, so having Connie Smith be my first person to, announce me at the Opry would be amazing. But then I have this vision of playing the Opry several times and one day getting inducted and it's Reba that inducts me. I just envisioned her sweet little Oklahoma face looking at me being like, welcome to the, you know, welcome to the Opry. I mean, can you imagine? But like that's because in in the nineties and the early aughts, man, I thought Reba and my mom were related somehow because Mm -hmm. they both have red hair and I thought, oh, well, you know, and she's from Southern Oklahoma, which not far from where we're all Rock from. Cemetery. Yeah. And, and, you know, <laughs> my brother dated her niece, like, oh, this is going to happen, you know? And so it's, it's, uh, but yeah, though, I, meeting Connie Smith and Reba, um, at, would be, would be pretty amazing. Uh, there's little things that happen now in my career, like when Bruce Robinson, who is a, such an, such a acclaimed writer with so many accolades and, gold records on his wall you know when he messages me and says i I like your writing and i want to make your record i'm like whoa you know things like that give you hope that like one day maybe reba will look me in the face and invite me to the opry like who knows you know Mm -hmm. can you imagine oh my god i would die (laughs) i would die i mean almost more than dolly only because dolly just seems untouchable she's she's an entity she's like seeing mother Teresa in a tortilla like you'd be like well this is not real <laughs> but Reba Reba's real she seems tangible you know she does yeah she does yeah <laughs> Dolly would be like some poof of angel dust around you you know can you imagine meeting her no. be like no, no. This, is <laughs> this is not Dolly Parton and it would be so surreal that it wouldn't seem real but yeah, it's like, almost like this is like a like a, a clone or a hologram of a, a person. She's not even really here because she's like in the ether. So if you had a personal soundtrack that sort of encompassed you, maybe encompasses you in this moment, what songs would be on your personal soundtrack? I'll keep talking about her, but she's really in my brain today or this week. But Gillian Welch's Everything is Free. It costs so much money to make money in this industry and gillian put the mass perspective on that on everything is free uh and so that song always kind of takes me back to uh thinking about when you get wrapped up and i don't have enough place i don't have enough streams or you know whatever i kind of listen to that song and it takes me back to just like just keep writing good songs it's okay you do have to put in the work but it's okay just have good craft and keep working hard 
you know, this is a twisted way to answer your question. But this next album that's coming out, um, I still listen to it myself mm -hmm. all the time. I because I, I I wrote it from so many angles of myself. There's a song, "Sun's Gonna Rise Again," and it's just kind of like, man, when shit gets down, you can pick it back up. It's all right. Just you know, the whole uh, it just this too shall pass kind of a song, you know, right. and um. I write about, I'm 43 and never been married, no kids or anything like that. And I, uh, I write about that a lot. Uh, I write about it from a pride standpoint and I write about it from a lonely standpoint. And, you know, uh, um, so I listen to my, my, that album is a soundtrack for my thoughts right now. And right now that's kind of where I am. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I spend so much time in music. I don't just kind of like, casually listen to much i study it but i don't just like casually listen as much as uh and had i not like have to think about music all the time i don't know about this uh i don't know how the best way to say it let's start the story so i'll just start it um i saw this uh a medium and I, it's not really what i'm into but much of my friends saw her and told me all these stories and i was like I don't know, but I kind of reached this thing in my life where I was like, you know, I might want to just visit with her. I know who I am. God knows who I am. I'm all right. So I made an appointment with her. And the night before she messaged, she said, you need to set three intentions. And she's like, don't tell me your last name. Don't do, you know, I don't know who you are. Just set three intentions and kind of put those in the forethought of your being and your thoughts and your conscience. No problem. So I did that, prayed about it really hard and and uh went and visited with her and i kind of took it as a, a time to be meditative and i prayed and just kind of one of those moments of like just opening up all of my stuff and, and and looking at it and um can't really do that when you're working and thinking all the time so I laid on there with the crystals and all stuff all the woo woo you know and she she started crying and she told me um are you writing a lot of songs these days i was like yeah i'm, I'm writing a lot right now and she said, you're going to write a song or songs or something, your album or something that's going to happen. This was about a year ago. And she said, and it, it's going to matter for women. And she said, women are going to need to hear the, the songs that you're writing. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. She's like, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on or you're writing one or you have this energy in you is what she's talking about. Mm. And I was like, if she doesn't. She's not prophetic or anything like that, but I don't take it as her predicting the future or her anything. I just kind of take it as her tuning into me and helping me listen to my own thoughts and get in tune with my own energy. And it's so hard to do. And uh, so I kind of forgot about it and uh, kept writing. And then I started singing these songs on the next record in my shows, trying them out, see how they sound. And these women kept coming up to me at the merch table, just uh, crying and relating to the song and being like, oh, I'm going to talk to you about this and this in my life and this and this. And it dawned on me, it's like, I wonder if this is the energy that she was tapping into. And uh, and then in the studio, there's two other girls in the band, uh, in the studio band. And I would do that. So the way Bruce does his record, I just walk in and he's like, what song do you want to do? And I'll start playing. And the band listens to the song and they make their charts and then we play it and you hear it. That's what, that's how the record sounds really natural. Mm -hmm. 
And I'd sing these songs and the girls in the band were just crying and being like, oh my gosh, I'm not even in your shoes. But I'm relating so much to what you're saying as a woman. And I was like, okay, yeah, okay. I tapped into it. And so uh, that's why I still listen to the record. Um, it still speaks to me and speaks to who I am. And I think it speaks to a lot of women. You write about what you know, you know, right. I'm still nerding out on my own song. <laughs> I'm proud of them. And, um, and they were a gift to me from the universe and I'm proud of them. And I'm looking, I'm looking forward to women listening to them. And so that we can talk about it and we can start this different narrative of, um, um, the typical love song or the typical you cheated on me. So I hate you song. There's a whole nother group of women out there that are neither of those narratives. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, and if, and if women can talk about it, then we're going to start a whole other narrative. So I'm excited about that. It's not about me. It's about this, you know, <laughs> like T-Bone Burnett said, the, the key to longevity in a career is arrows going out and no arrows going in. And I feel like that's what this record is. It's like, oh, I, you know, that's that shift I talked about earlier. Like, this is about other women. This is about us as a whole and, uh, songwriting as a whole. So I'm, I'm soaked about it. I don't even care really if it does well. That's a lie. I want it to do well, but I'm proud of it either way, you know. Um, tell me all about your projects that are in the works, this album, tours. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, yeah. So first single came out in March. Second single, April 4th. Third single, May 5th. Uh, it's called She's in His Arms, But I'm in the Palm of His Hand. It's really lovely. It takes place in San Antonio in the 70s. And, um, and then the album comes out June 16th and it can be pre-ordered, um, vinyl people. This is a handmade album. It sounds really handmade. It looks really handmade. And there is a surprise for everybody on the insert of the vinyl. Um, I'm not going to tell anybody what it is, but you're just going to have to get it, but it's a gift, uh, on the lyric sheet that's inside the vinyl. Um, and so pre-sales are up. We're selling albums and um, you can buy CDs too, of course, or just listen digitally. That's fine too. It's 2023. We can't complain about it anymore. And then, um, yeah, we tour in May. We're going to tour up, I'm uh, looking at a map right now. Yes, in May, we're touring up Ohio and Pennsylvania and Kentucky and Tennessee, up kind of that direction. Mm -hmm. And then in June, we're going west kind of Pacific coast all the way up the Pacific coast and over to Montana and down. And then we come back in July, we're playing Texas, uh, in August we're playing Texas, uh, with official album release parties. Okay. So, uh, that's the business. And, but on my, all my shows and all of our tours and stuff, it's all, we post about all of it on our Instagram and I try to keep up with Facebook, but it's extremely hard. Uh, but Instagram is my main, um, avenue is there anything that you want to talk about that you want people to know that i didn't ask you um we did uh it's a cool thing that we did the album analog you know um the way bruce robinson does it at next waltz records is no computers you come in no rehearsals uh came in i stood there i sang the song if we felt the vibe the band would make a chart, would kind of organically learn how the song goes and then press record. And um, that's what you hear. And I would sing it all the way through and Bruce would be like, well, that was good. Do you feel like you can do better? 
He's like, well, I don't know. And he's like, well, if you think you can, then we're going to erase this one and you try it again. As a performer in a studio, it makes me, number one, really concentrate. Like they were videoing the whole time and all the videos are YouTube, but I don't look good in them because I'm like game faced. You know, I got my headphones on. I'm thinking about pitch and phrasing and trying to do a really good job delivering the song. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I can't worry about being perfect. I just have to make it a good delivery. And I think when any artist does those two things, you're going to get their best work. And so it was really, it was, is it perfect? Absolutely not. But it's very real. And I, I hope, I think that real analog people will appreciate the way we did it. And that's the way Bruce and Next Walks, that's the way they do all their records. There's no hiding anything, you know? Right. But it's cool. It's cool. And you can hear that. It's neat. And there's plenty of people who, Appreciate that. So. Yeah. But that's it. And I appreciate you not. So every, Daniel, every single interview, which is okay. I don't mind talking about it. Every single interview talks about being a woman in country music. I don't mind talking about it because it is a hot topic and like it gets reads and all that. But it's nice uh, to just, I don't think about being a woman in the industry. I, I don't even think there's a good answer. I'm not even really interested because everybody gets asked and I watch them just like, I've said well, it. I don't know what else to say. Kind two, of thing. There's two women that have answered it really great. And one of them is Nikki Lane. But uh, somebody asked her one time, you know, it's hard out there being a woman in this industry. She said, I sell a lot of albums and uh, I support myself, strut around on some stage in some really short shorts, selling out the venue. So, no, it's pretty great out here. You know? Yeah, that's <laughs> a good Great answer. answer. Like, yeah. no, no, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you very much, you know. And then the other one is my friend at the rancher. And she said what I said while well, I go, I don't think about being in a woman in the industry. I just wake up, get the job done every day. And uh, I think that's the main thing to me. It's like, no, I'm not thinking about, oh, as a woman, I really want to do this. As a woman, I want to write this yeah. song. I'm just doing it. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to follow or subscribe in your favorite podcast app to stay up to date on episode releases. And if you have a friend that you think might enjoy this show, please share it with them. You can find links to episode resources in the show notes. Thank you again for joining me for Transcendent Tracks. I'll see you next time.